0: Well, yeah, people are shaped by the environments in which they operate, and, and, and the behaviours that we demonstrate at any given moment in time will depend on the environment that we're in um, and, and the relationships that we have around us. You know, I mean, if you, were, if you were giving me a load of grief right now, I would be quite a different person, yeah. <laughs> and I'm behaving quite differently in this conversation. Um,
1: Wait, I'll give you that so grief later. And it, so
0: it's about... Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Um, so it's about how do we how do we think about how we go into a conversation with somebody or how we um, work within a team or how we create the environment and the cultural environment at work in order to get the best out of people. And And that's what we do at the Harrison Network is is we get in alongside people and teams and organizations to try and help them shift some of those experiences, shift some of those conversations, and shift some of those cultures, ultimately.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project Manager podcast. Sunday the 22nd of January 2023. This is your host Nigel Creaset and today we've got Lucy Harrison with us, the soft skills guru. So what's been going on over the past couple of weeks? Um, I've been playing around with a few different things. Actually the, the AI for my uh, AI, AI na- narrated version of my book is out there and uh, in a few people's hands, uh, hands, ears, I don't know how you want to describe it. Um, I've discovered, I'm, I'm currently going through and doing a bit of a longer edit on it, um, having listened to it a little bit and found a couple of things that need tweaking, the, um, the fact that the AI narration can't say the word um, diarize, or delegate very well so i have to uh, phonetically spell it out so there's a few of those that i'm tweaking at the minute but still still usual it's interesting because i also find some typos from the original uh document and uh, a few slight tweaks to wording so i'll probably update some the rest of the books uh, the paperback and the um the e and the hardback versions uh, as i'm going along so there'll be kind of a second editions later on in the year it doesn't take away the value of what's in there so that's quite interesting i've discovered now that i can use the google narrated version i can push it out to through i think it's find away voices i think I'll probably be using um to lots of other uh audiobook providers including apple i think as well so uh That'll be cool. They're they're happy with that AI narrated. Um, I think Spotify and all those, so it'll be pretty much everywhere. Um, Once I finish doing this uh, longer edit, um, Amazon, yeah, ACX and and their Audible platform still doesn't allow AI narrated. But the fact that everyone else has done it, um, I think uh, it won't be long before they uh, join, uh, join in with that as well. Um, obviously, it's always highlighted that it's AI narrated. It's not quite as emotive. It's not quite as crisp as a as a proper narrated one, but considering it takes two hours to generate the narration, that's pretty good um, a trade-off, I think. Um, I'll also make it available on my uh, Payhip site um, uh, where you can download it directly and if people want to get it. So that's been interesting playing with that. And I've been playing with a few of the, the AI stuff Um, Chat GPT, which um, I've just been messing about with really, but I've seen some practical applications that I'll start using Um, Summarizing uh, uh, Copy for um, uh, oh Goodness me, my brain's tiring this morning. Uh, Copy for things like LinkedIn posts and things like that, so uh, I'll play with that Um, Very powerful, very very interesting. Uh, It's a a really good tool um, I think for for this kind of stuff um, and then I will be moving on to I have got a couple other books and a couple other blog posts I need to get sorted this this month um, when I say books I mean start looking at them um, I've also started thinking about the Ellen to Brasher book a bit more um, i been using uh, another one of the AI products or well, two of them actually I've used Dali which as I was saying to someone the other one it's spelled D-A-L-L-E and I didn't realize and think it's, it's images and it generates images from text and Dali as in the painter took, Sometimes I'm very slow um, Again, using that seems the initial thing was kind of ask it something from text to create a picture And it seems to do something quite passable I've also used the um, uh, the other one called, oh goodness me It was using the Discord server the way they do it And um, it, essentially, um, you—I've um, gone blank on what it was. You use uh, text again to describe it, and I described what I'd kind of a little bit of an outline of the the front page of what the front page or the front cover of what I'd like the book to be. And actually, it came up with a reasonably passable um, mid-journey, is what it's called. I knew it'd come back to me. Um, image that it wasn't quite right for what I would have done, but had I wanted to show an image, which essentially was someone on a phone with a plane in the background on fire um, with emergency services around it. Uh, and it gave a, a, a reasonable looking image. So uh, yeah, it's the, the possibilities are endless with these um, AI tools at the moment and the way they're, they're being levered and, and used. And, and I think it's it's great for starting stuff and I might even start having to play with uh, project status reports and see how we can do those for you, um, which will be interesting as well. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the things that I've been playing around with, um, getting back into the year after the holidays. Uh, got a few interviews uh, in the bag in the last couple of weeks. I have um, a, quite a long interview list coming down the road. Um, and uh, so really looking forward to getting those done. Uh, and getting those out to you um, it, it, it's wrong to actually highlight specifics of them but just the, the um, all of the guests seem to be bringing in some great stuff and there's some really challenging um, thinking going on um to apply there um the other the other thing i've uh, not done it yet but i've been asked to ask one of the questions on the delivery experts thank you jonathan norman uh, i think you listen um for inviting me to do that quite quite honored to be able to ask a question to that group of experts um so i'll be doing that in the next few days and that'll be out not sure when i think there's a batch from going to be pulled to get together and then pushed out so if you've not heard the delivery experts pop on to uh, just search the delivery experts on um uh, LinkedIn you'll find it the page there and essentially it's a question posed to a group of, group of us and I can't remember how many there are but each of us give a view um, of, of our view of the question on video in a, in a product called Opina and it's really quite interesting um, so a, a, an interesting way to get alternative opinions rather than my text and things like that. it's only a little three minute bites of each of the videos so uh, jump on to that um, and I think that is probably it um, i didn't think i had much to say today but as ever i gibber on um uh, i'll pass you on to lucy and we can talk about soft skills because obviously uh, uh, soft skills uh, from a uh, project manager point of view um, lucy's book soft skills for tough jobs pm role can be tough and the soft skills are critical to it so enjoy speak again bye Today, I am delighted to welcome Lucy Harrison to the show. Lucy's aim is to inspire and equip a million people to think, act and lead with more humanity, making the workplace more collaborative, entrepreneurial and creative. It's a bit of a goal. Uh, She's been working with teams and their leaders for more than 20 years, using experiential, applied and facilitated learning and founded the award-winning team and and leadership consultancy, the Harrison Network, in 2014. Uh, The Harrison Network exists to inspire people to bring more of their humanity into the workplace. By doing so, they facilitate the development of cultures in which people can thrive and help change the world. Um, Given the right organisational culture, people will thrive, is their belief and a culture of self-awareness, responsibility, support, and joint sense of purpose allows people to take things to a higher level. A culture of selfishness leads to an ultimate downfall. I think we all can agree with that. Um, she is proud that her work with uh, entrepreneurial thinking and psychological safety is beginning to be recognized beyond the nuclear and outdoor industries where it's all began. If you know Cumbria, uh, as it says here, you'll understand why those two industries are connected, and I, I know a little bit about it, it. we'll talk about that <laughs> as well. And she's also author of best-selling book, Soft Skills for Tough Jobs, which I've got a copy of my copy hands here, which is in my other pile of books to read. so I'm going to ask lots of stupid questions about things I've read at the beginning, but then not finished it. Um, uh, which is it's centered around a, an original interpersonal approach called Nailed, and we'll talk about that in a little while. And when she's not coaching, she's facilitating and training. She can be found on the hills or on the water in her beloved lake district. Lucy, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you very much, Nigel. That's a, that, that was quite an intro. I don't think I've ever had one like that before. Thank you. Yeah,
1: well, good. I, I I tend to uh, steal all of these things from people's own blurbs that they put. And then when you realise when you mash them all together, it's quite a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few, there's a few, yeah. there's probably, in fact, yeah, it's, it can be quite fun with that because then your people go, oh yeah, I'd forgotten I'd written that in their blurb or in, on their website or whatever. Go for so t- tell us a little bit more, obviously you're just you in Cumbria or around that r- region, so tell us about uh, where you are, a little bit more about, a little bit more background.
0: Uh, well, at the moment I am sat in Keswick uh, on a rainy day, uh, which if you know Cumbria at all you know that it can be quite rainy yeah. Um, so uh, yeah live here with family and dog uh, and have done for 20 years so absolutely love the Lake District um, yeah but uh, I moved here moved here to, to work in the outdoor industry right um, and, and did event and project management in the outdoors um, and, and helping people to different companies doing team building and event management and that kind of stuff so yeah it was good
1: so when, when you say outdoors is that sort of like um, uh, sort of trail running type stuff marathon stuff and that sort of thing or is it was it outdoor pursuit kind things
0: back in the day when i used to to do this all the time it was a lot more around um, canoeing climbing um, team building exercises so yeah. you know barrels and planks um, right as, as we would refer to it um, so utilizing the 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 love of getting outdoors to bring teams outside and get them communicating more effectively, and um, a lot of the time it was a it was a jolly, it was good fun outside. Yeah. Um, um it's become a lot different these days. Uh, it's a lot more, you know, you can get a lot more out of it when you dig in more deeply. But when I was involved twenty years ago, it was it was very much about let's go outside and have some fun.
1: Yeah, I suppose <laughs> I I'm thinking back. I I went on uh, one in. Windermere, I think it was, as, as a a company that was yeah. doing stuff up there with when I was working at Barclays. And uh, we went and did a, a weekend there and did all manner of different things. There was a lot of drinking going on as well, I remember that. Um, the f- first time I'd been in that area, and it's always, it, it was, I think it's one of those things, I don't know um, what your thoughts are. Whenever I go to anything those kind of, team building, in, in the quotes that some people get a little bit grumpy about, um, I, f- I just find you get out of it what you put into it, and you kind of got to go, right, okay, if I'm at this, I'm going to be part of it, I'm going to try it, I'm going to kind and of be and that, but I've also seen people sitting there arms crossed and and really resisting about it, they've been sent on this course, so they don't want to be on this course, and. Maybe it's a bit of a stereotype on it. But but then they kind of... Even from that, I think by the end of those sort of things, they end up getting something out of it. Because even if they're... It still gets their mind out of the office and out of their normal day job, and it even Mm -hmm. gives them a little bit of time to think differently to what they would normally do.
0: Absolutely. And when they run run well, um, and they're facilitated well, then you can actually get quite a lot out of them. Yeah. The risk is... um, and what used to happen more back in the 90s um was the risk that you you had getting outside and doing things like climbing and uh, and kayaking and canoeing is isn't for everybody yeah. and there would almost be this this peer pressure that you had to get involved um and i think it possibly put off as many people as it helped um, yeah, I suppose, and, that, and I think these days we're more aware of that. You know that 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 diverse nature yeah. of, of all of us, and how do you how do you include people more? Yeah, and so it, the, the the industry has changed a lot in the last twenty years.
1: Yeah, I suppose I, I, from the diversity point of view, as you're saying now, I'm thinking the that um, people's body type, people's fitness levels, people's age, people's like or dislike of the outdoors um, will. Significantly affect what people will get out of it, won't it? And and I suppose nowadays, generally, that, that diversity that that mm. we are much more aware of means actually. I say i I know we diving da- diving rabbit hole same straight straight away, but that's what we tell. um uh, I've got a <laughs> session a session that I was running with my team, and and we've got a team, uh, a diverse team, um, who are some southern based some northern based etc and we're looking at different things to do and then i was kind of thinking and i saw one of one of my Mm -hmm. guests uh i had on a couple of weeks ago jude jameson um where she has uh a, a training where she takes people to her uh stud where she's got horses and it teaches people how to work with horses and how different it is with the horse and things like that and I thought about that and I was thinking well should we get the team to do that and then I was thinking I know I've got a few city dwellers in the team and I'm thinking are they really really going to hate that and not get something out of it and then I was thinking of and and, but then you kind of you sometimes you can't you can't cater to everyone all the time but you've got to be willing to accept Mm -hmm. the fact that you might not get the best out of some people in certain situations and you need to do something slightly different. Do you agree on those that
0: sort mm. of thing? Yeah and it's I think it depends on the a lot on the team and on where they're at and the people within it and the appetite of the people within it. And if I think if you understand that well, um, and you adjust what you're trying to you know, what you're doing to make sure it it, it works for that group of people. Um, yeah then I think it's these things can be really positive. I mean, I had a group out um, uh, a few weeks back um, and part of a longer team development programme with them. Uh, and we pushed them out of their comfort zone to um, take them up a mountain in, in, in Scotland. Um, but not only that, we had them doing a lot of navigation along the way. So we had um, people teaching them navigation tricks and then... Uh, then they had to navigate up and different people would navigate different legs yes. and and we had a real diverse mix of people on there some people who um you know tramping on the Scottish fells was what they did day in day out um, for other people they'd n- never done it yeah. before or never done anything like it before um, and it was a re- really pushed them out of the comfort zone but that experience of all of them having to kind of get to get up the hill as a team um, and, and do that as a team was something that, that actually gave them a really good experience and, and was something they continued to talk about afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I think it's finding the right experience for the right, um, for the right job, really, what you're trying to achieve with that particular group. Personal team. Yeah, um, I think that, that's when we talk about experiential learning. Now, that's that's what we mean. How do you choose the right experience to give people something, a microcosm of what they might experience in work, but to give them that out of work, but in something completely different, so that you can start to emerge some of the behaviours and look at some of the interactions and interplay that people are having, and then work on that. Yeah,
1: because it's it's very difficult, and I've I've had it before where we've done it where just going, right, how can we do stuff better as a team? And I've, I've been guilty of it myself trying to do it because sometimes that's all the resources you've got available to you. And it's kind of, right, how do we get better? How do we improve this? And we've, we've been going through it a few months now uh, with different things, changes in mm. um, that need to be ad- ad- adopted and, and how do we do it in the best way and things like that. And sometimes the actual, that mm. that frame of well, how do we do better doesn't help, does it, and it whereas actually, Again, you draw on things like the Lego serious play and things like that type of activities where you go, mm-hmm. right, let's build what we've got now. And I don't know when Simon was saying, yeah, yeah, you build a flow and then you go, right, that's how it works. And then you talk about it and then you get through and you go, oh, well, that bit there, why are we doing that? Doing that back and two, mm-hmm. back and two, fifteen 15 times. And it's like, don't know. Right, you can change it, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you might get it drawing on a board, but you certainly would, you need something mm-hmm. I don't know, it's it, it, something to bring things alive, don't you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it shows different things. So, so a lot of the time we work on, on the systems or the, or the relationships or the interplay, um, between people and, and, and in teams. And it, for some people, they find it easy to zoom out and see that. And for other people, they really struggle. So, so giving them something to hang it on, like you know, like Lego, like um, drawing, or plasticine, or, um, or you know, taking them outdoors, yeah. giving them an activity. When you've got something to to hang it on and experience it in, it it, it helps you see something differently. Um, it helps you look at it because it kind of takes it out of your normal yeah. frame of reference, and suddenly you start looking at it differently and go. Oh, I know what I'm looking at now.
1: I think it's, and it's kind of, kind of draws the line, the little bit of storytelling that, that everyone talks about us Mm. being humans. We, we latch onto stories and you use examples and, and um, parodies or things like that to explain a situation and go through a different way of doing something. And Mm -hmm. they kind of, I don't know, I'm guessing it works in the same sort of way that it lets your brain picture and visualize something that, the words on the paper most of us struggle to be able to vision to be able to understand something without some kind of visual reference uh, i know personally i'm in my mind i see things there as visual um and i think other and then i think sometimes you because i know saying it's, it's, silly it's uh I was listening to a football match listen to england playing the other day and i realized that what I, I it is important when i'm listening to the radio and i'm not a massive football fan but when i do listen when i hear the um I tune into what the um commentators tame when they're saying, right, so whichever team mm. on the other side on the right wing. Yeah, over on the right wing. Right, okay, right, I know now they're attacking over on the right wing. That means those play that team's going from right to left now. And that's where and I can yeah. in my mind I've got a football pitch on my head and I can kind of see the little bodies running around and that. And kind of that that visual not not picture perfect, but that visual concept in there helps me be able to listen to that and enjoy it much more because I can see the action. If, if, if for yeah. want of a better
0: word, it well, it was the same today. I had a um, I was working uh, with a with a group of of, of young people, um, and they were being briefed on a project, and um, and as the briefing was happening. I, I, I was I was struggling, I kind of knew what the brief was and I was struggling to to really get hold of it and, and I asked the, 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 the chap doing the briefing to to tell us a story about, you know, tell me what you mean, you know, tell me a story about what this looks like when it's either working or not working and so he put it into that, you know, and he was able to tell a story about, okay, your project is to look into this, this is what it looks like when it's working and here's a story about something that's happened in the organization when it's working. And here's a story about when it's not yeah. working. What I want you to do is to find out why. And, and, and suddenly you could see people go, ah, oh, right, okay, I get it. And he's
1: dropping all over they the place. Could,
0: yeah. They could, yeah, they, they, they could understand the story because they could put themselves into that position. Yeah. Um, whereas when it was being described to them, that kind of meta description was like, pff, pff, I'm struggling with all those yeah. words. Yeah, I
1: think it is really hard sometimes to be able to to, to solve a problem that's written down on a piece of paper. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's sorry. We we dive down into the outdoor side of it and straight away because I kind of like quite enjoy <laughs> that whole getting outdoors and doing a bit of uh, moving around. I'm just curious to knowing that and the the event management yeah. on that is uh, it's it's interesting because. Um, I was talking today actually to, to some of my team about the fact that the way I look at because we're organising birthday parties for, the, for my daughters uh, over the last few weeks. Birthday party la- the weekend before last and one next weekend. And uh, that whole hmm. project management skill set that is needed to organise a, ber- a kid's birthday party is it's about scaling yep. the event management up to the fact that you the Olympics or the, uh, the Olympics opening ceremony or a big well, Glastonbury or whatever all of those it's it's the skill sets of those events um, and I look at things like yeah. London Marathon just on a weekend the event management is is right at the sharp end of project management because I know we we have big you know, like nuclear decommissioning and things like that you'll have big IT systems that I have going in but it's kind of the stakeholders involved in an event like London Marathon, an event like whatever, it's kind of there. There's a lot of them, and they're all at one time, and that. Whereas when you're rolling out yes. something,
0: there's no know, If it's IT and
1: you're rolling out a bit of IT, if you're sensible, what you're doing, we've got a hundred people playing with it this week, and then to, and you you gradually increase it, maybe with some of the the, the again yeah. with, um, but but even so, with with big construction projects. Yeah, whilst you might have. Twenty thousand people using a road, you kind of know it works. Yes. <laughs> the The things that can go wrong at, at these events can be quite uh, quite. Uh, I don't imagine the that that stress level at the time. And I just was kind of thinking with the outdoor events, whether it was that sort of thing that you were doing. So tell us a little bit
0: about.
1: Um, yeah. say, tell us a little bit about the Harrison Network and how how that came came about. Then how, how what made you decide to mm. to set up that. And tell us what it is first, really. I think, and said what it tries to do. It doesn't say what it is, yeah. does it? <laughs> uh,
0: well, I, and it's one of those; it's really hard to describe. Um, so, uh, for a lot of people, if I say the words, it's, it's a it's, we're a leadership development or team development organisation. They kind of know what we do. Um, so, we do coaching and training and workshops and facilitation. We we get in, we really get in next to people and teams in order to help them operate more effectively, basically. And, and, and it, it's about shifting the cultures, shifting the environment, because... <sighs> well, you, people are shaped by the environments in which they operate, and, and, and the behaviours that we demonstrate at any given moment in time will depend on the environment that we're in. Um, and and the relationships that we have around us you know i mean if you were if you were giving me a load of grief right now i would be quite a different person (laughs) and i'm behaving quite differently in this conversation um
1: wait i'll give you that grief later
0: it's about yeah thanks um so it's about how do we how do we think about how we go into a conversation with somebody or how we we um work within a team or how we create the environment and the cultural environment at work in order to get the best out of people. And and, and that's what we do at the Harrison Network is is we get in alongside people and teams and organisations to try and help them shift some of those experiences, shift some of those conversations and shift some of those cultures ultimately. Hi. So we get, we get involved at the sharp end and the dirty yeah. end. We don't give you a nice pretty framework and then say, there you go, bye. Um, we actually getting involved in the conversations.
1: So it, it cultures it, it fascinates me a little bit. It's, I think it does with a lot of people. I had um, a conversation with Colin D I don't know if you know Colin from uh, he's Australian. Uh, he's not. He's Liverpudlian. Lives out in Australia, and and he did um, a book called Culture Hacks, okay. and uh, I had him okay. on. This, and had him on the show and, and talked about the book and about culture. And, and I, I'm sure it was Colin that we had this, guy, this conversation with him. It's around the fact that <clears throat> culture can be really strong in a team. But that mm. that culture of ten people, five people, whatever, may be completely at odds with the manager, completely at odds with the organisation. They would die for each other. They would... They, they're just really solid, culturally <laughs> strong, but actually not what you need. And how, I'm not sure what, what triggers you to be going into one of these organisations? Because I'm guessing you're not going in there and looking at teams of 100 people to change the culture of an organisation. You'll be looking at manageable sized teams, or maybe you are going in that size, but it's a bigger thing. But how do you know? Because cu- like, culture isn't what the organisation wants it to be the culture's what mm. the people uh, it's like brand isn't it when people say your brand as an organization is what people say about you to other people it isn't what you say about you it isn't what yeah. your pretty swoosh looks like or anything like it's yeah. what other people talk about yeah, yeah, you yeah, and yeah. you can't always control that and culture's kind of similar isn't it it's not it's what your your people in an organization think about and feel and do when someone isn't watching yeah. them doing it How do you you know... One, how do these organisations know they need the help? And then secondly, how do you know what they want it to be? Where is it going to move from? Mm.
0: Those are two really massive questions. I know. (laughs) We could talk all night about those. Um, So taking the first question of of, of how do people know that the culture needs to shift? um, Sometimes people are aware of um things that are emerging um so whether those are safety incidences whether those are um, reports of bullying whether those are you know people talking up about about you know this this don't like yeah. this culture or or whether people whether it's about looking at an aspiration of where they want to be so so sometimes it's for negative reasons that they you know they they're suddenly realizing oh hang on a minute this is this is not good enough, um, or we're getting bad press, and um, and sometimes it's about well. This isn't our culture is exactly designed to give us the results we're getting right now, <laughs> but the results we're getting right now are not the results we want. Yeah. So therefore, we need to do something differently, and and I think that's the piece, you know, are the results that you're getting right now as an organisation the results that you want, and you have to think across the board at those results whether you're retention of people, whether you're looking at, you know, um, project lifetime, are they are, they, are they finishing on time? Is the quality right? Is the safety okay? Is, uh, you know, and, uh, do people feel fulfilled or are they dropping like yeah. flies? You know, all of those kind of things will dictate what are the results of your culture. And if those aren't the results that you want, or if the environment is shifting and the organisation needs to change to keep up, quite often you need the culture to be able to shift with it
1: no, i see that and i imagine the the second part of the question in some ways is that approach is very different depending on the trigger that is coming in because if you've got yeah. and again another conversation having it, if you've got someone who's a the the, the managing <laughs> director of, of something and they're coming in going right these lot need to shift their attitudes to sort out these problems because it's not changing, and they've dragged you in because this is going wrong and that's going wrong, and these are, and. And
0: it's yeah, all yeah. their
1: fault. Yeah, yeah. It. it I, I think. Yeah. I think the conversation yeah. at the time was talking about someone who <laughs> um, had gone into help someone with the thing, and it was none of their team would um, stand up, wouldn't just get on with stuff. They had to be told what to be done, done all the time, and. It was obviously, obviously after a little conversation that the the reason that they needed to be told was because the person who owned that organisation was a very directive, authoritarian person who always told people and told them how what they wanted done, how they wanted it done, and by and kind of was very didn't allow people. So people just got into the habit of well, I I've got no yeah. choice on what I do. I get told what to do, and I I'll wait till I get told, and and there was no initiative or anything like that. But, and then I suppose the other. Org- yeah,
0: there's a whole chapter in the book about that.
1: Yeah, it's very yeah. common. It, 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 and yeah. it, I can see how it can happen though because it's, it's difficult, um, for innovation and in initiative, in organisations once they once they get to a certain size and I've been in this position myself, um and your organisation tells you, you want they want you to be entrepreneurial they want you to be X they want you to do this, and then you go right, I'm going to go this, and then you get bollocked because you just did it. You kind of go, oh, hang yeah. on. So I, I, thought, I thought you wanted me to kind of take a bit of risk, be be a bit entrepreneurial, be agile, and all the magic words that you get there. But if you f- you don't feel, I, I, I know this goes on to some of the other points that were the psychological safety side of it. Um, if you don't feel that you can fail, don't feel that you can do something outside a process and, and kind of a little bit maverick. Mm. And yeah. it's difficult, isn't it? Because as an organisation, you get things like the Sarbanes-Oxleys and all those sort of things and all of the um, GDPR and all of the legislation you've got to stick to that can yeah. constrain and make you feel that you just can't do anything on your own accord, yeah. even though there is a there is a barrier, yeah. but it's understanding those boundaries is really difficult sometimes and the bigger the organisation gets the harder it is to encourage yeah. it and,
0: and and we do a lot of work in nu- yeah we do a lot of work in mm. nuclear and and you know there's certain barriers that you really don't want them to cross <laughs> yeah i live way yeah. too close um so, so so absolutely and this is a it, it's a massive issue and and i think firstly if a leader doesn't recognise that if they're asking the organisation to change, then they need to change as well. And uh, if they don't recognise that and they they say to us, I want you to come in and sort them out, um, we don't work with them. So, you know, just just don't take it on. Um, But secondly, that piece about um, people telling each other what to do and then worrying about or not worrying about, but requiring, wanting people to be entrepreneurial to try new things, and then I think it's asking well, why? Why won't they? Why do they all just do as they're told? it, it is something we come across an awful lot, uh, and when we talk about the entrepreneurial thinking um, programs and development that we do with people, it, we get asked this a lot: How do we do this? Um, and if I go back to what we were talking about a, a few minutes ago, when we were saying about um, about the culture is is kind of what people talk about and what people say. Actually, some of those systems and processes that are in place about what do you do, you know how do you apportion blame? How do you deal with it? What's the language that you use around safety incidences? Do you call them, you know, are you looking for a to to demand and find out who's to blame, or are you looking to learn from it? you know so so all of that actually matters in a culture. And you can help it shifting by changing some of the language, by changing some of the processes, by changing some of the hierarchy, um, as well as the stories and, and the experiences and the interactions that we have on a day-to-day basis. So it's it's not as simple as shifting the just people. It, 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 the environment, that environment, some of it is, is structured and you have to look at those structures as well. it's it's a big
1: issue it's huge so so when you're looking i'm guessing it's in quotes easier when you're looking at a smaller team if you're looking at rather than changing a whole organization you've got a a, a finite team a finance team a project team or whatever and kind of helping them get um be ready for the change that they're getting or whatever's going to happen in there. a different approach Do, do, you, do you approach things differently depending on what those two different factors, uh, two different types of organisation you're dealing with?
0: Yeah. My hesitation is because it depends mm-hmm. on the people. And, and we, we always approach it one conversation at a time. I mean, that's because every conversation that we have matters. And at the relationships that we have in those teams matters uh, between us and them, as well as between them as, as a team or, or them the, the leadership. It, each conversation uncovers something or unlocks something. And when you have more good conversations, more effective conversations, you start to uncover and, and, and smooth the way so that when there are challenges that come in, people don't revert into, I'm right, now I'm right, yeah. <laughs> competition, uh, defending their positions, that people start to be more curious about, uh, tell me about your thinking, tell me what you think is wrong about what I've just suggested, because I really want to know, because I think maybe my thinking might be wrong, and I'm really curious as to where you're coming from, and how can we use these two different points of view to come to a better solution? Yeah. It's it's. But that takes some humility and that takes...
1: Thanks for listening to that first part of the show and um, come back next week we'll have the second part of Lucy's interview. So enjoy. Cheers now. Bye. Wow, you made it this far. I'm guessing that you enjoyed the show if you have. Or maybe we've just left it playing in the background. I forgot it was on. But if you did enjoy it and uh, you're inclined to, I'd be delighted if you could share your, the show with your colleagues. Uh, it's a discoverability with podcasts is quite difficult, especially with a niche one like this. But sharing with your colleagues and letting them have a chance to listen to these fantastic guests would be brilliant. If you've got time, a review on whatever platform you uh, listen to it on, uh, would be great too, especially if it was a five star one. Again, that makes it easier for people to discover the show when they're searching on there because the comments uh, raise it up the old search engine some optimization on all the different tools. If you are feeling flush, I have a couple of ways you could uh, contribute. One is Patreon, uh, Patreon slash Sunday lunch PM, and you could uh, uh, donate some money to the to the podcast that way. Uh, or you can jump along to my, my um website nigelcreaser.com com and click on the link to the shop and in there you've got all my books that I've created uh, in the varying different guises in a number of different ways you can grab a copy of those and down at the bottom I've got the uh well, my guests books so everyone who's been on here if they've had a book I've got a link to their their uh, their book in there, and Amazon give me a little bit back for when someone buys from them. But uh, more importantly, uh, if you come back next time and listen, um, I'll be delighted. So I'll leave you alone and let you get on with your day now. Thank you. Bye. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye.